And hello again. We're here with another episode of Scots Radio, the programme that celebrates the Scots language and culture in all its glory. And like so many other times afore, there just hasn't been enough time to think about glory or anything else. We've just been getting on with the job and liking it. And our soon sorter is either the one folk that just gets on with things as well. Let me introduce to you the money steering the ship with masterly precision, or near boots, things off the glide every now and then. The legendary, <laughs> the legendary Richie Weather. Is this about gigging off the glee every uh, now and then? I thought it was more often than that. It's <laughs> <laughs> often enough for my liking. Are you all right, Richie? I'm Arich, aye, aye. Enjoying this uh, funny old weather. Supposedly it's summer, but uh, Edinburgh's been steeped in half for the past few weeks. See, we've been basking in the sun up, up north. I'm so coming up to your bit then. then. I'm, I'm going to you for my holidays. You've had all that foggy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Family okay? Family's grand, grand aye. Grand, all right. And for the food programme, we have. We're at the Celtic Media Festival in Lanechley, in South Wales. BBC Director of Nations and Regions, Ken McQuarrie, outlines plans for the new BBC Scotland channel. And we hear folk Ulster Scots is making waves in the media in Northern Ireland. We find out about plans for the procession, the Jean Cameron, women and lassies being invited to join the march through Edinburgh to celebrate the first women to vote a hundred years ago. And we catch up with the folk band the Tannehill Weavers for celebrating their 50th anniversary. A full programme, Richie. Oof. 50th anniversary, but we start this episode in Wales in appreciation of the hospitality and the welcome we got at this year's Celtic Media Festival in Lanechley, as I said, Nefarfi Cardiff. We didn't win, but Mm. like other years, we made friends and followers that will be with us for a long, long time. That's enough to win for us, Richie. Oh, aye, that'll be. That's enough for us. (laughs) So this is a track, the Inuma. Our time favourite bands, and I first heard them 40 years ago, 40 years ago, in Aberdeen. I was 10. The first professional folk band to come out of Wales, in fact. This is our log with Rice Megan and March Megan. We are we welcome to begin with the Welshman Alien Walters. When we are the Alien Walters, Croeso Irgoil Gavrangai Geltaith Ama Anthnechi. Good Welsh band R Log. In our appreciation of the welcome we got in Llanechley, South Wales, at this year's Celtic Media Festival. Now, it's a very special festival, a chance for the Celtic media industry to take stock and discuss the present and the future with great tributes to the past. And there's also a chance for the Celtic media folk to find out what's happening in each other's patch. This year's keynote speech was delivered by BBC's Director of Nations and Regions, Ken Macquarie. And after the speech, I got the opportunity to ask Mr Macquarie about the new Scottish channel. Would it contain programmes in Scots? Would it reflect Scots culture? And fan was again to be launched. Um, the, the new Scottish channel, uh, at the moment we've had the preliminary approval from Ofcom, so we, wait, we have to wait another few weeks you know, to get the, the consultation period to see when we can get absolutely get the date. But we're talking... Certainly within the next uh, nine months that we'll see this, pro- this uh, channel on the air. So it'll be on air in nine months? Uh, yes, I think, I think in, the, in terms of, the, you know, that, sort of that sort of time period, 
uh, the, the, I'm not going to speculate whether it's at the end of this year or early next year, but that's the sort of that's the, that's the period because we have to wait until the consultation responses come back from Ofcom. Okay, what's the, what's the hopes for the content in that channel? I think we want to, to reach um, a, a really diverse audience, Frida. I think we want to make sure that there is something for every single Scottish licensed pair on that channel, something that inspires them, something that speaks to them, something that uh, makes them think, uh, hopefully occasionally makes them laugh as well. And I think that's that, and that also uh, that it will, that although people are talking of it as a, uh, a linear channel, it will of course have all of the content on the iPlayer and be a digital, digital channel as well. And through that, I'm hopeful that we'll also be able to address younger audiences uh, as well. Now, I'm from Scots Radio and we're, we're at the Celtic Media Festival. We're talking about minority languages a lot here. Yep. What's your hope for or your plans for including a lot more Scots programmes? I mean, not talking about the Scots language, but in the Scots language. Well, I think that that Steve Carson, the Commissioner, you know, will ultimately have the, the say on, on how it shapes. But for me, all my life I've been open to the best stories, whatever language, from whatever part of the culture or the country they come. I think for any creative broadcaster, the openness of mind to take the stories and the content that are driven by the quality of the storytelling is the key thing for any broadcaster. Yeah, well, we've just been speaking to uh, BBC Radio Ulster. They've got the Ulster Scots program, yes. the Ulster Scots content. So the possibility is there, but it needs a, a will and it needs the folk inside BBC with the will to include more programmes in Scots. I think that the, the, we, we have done... Uh, on Radio Scotland, as you know yourself, over, over the years. There have been a number of programmes which have uh, given a proper and a distinguished place you know, to, to, to the Scots languages. Could, could, but in, for any organisation, can you do more? Absolutely. One of the things that I think is going to be interesting is, um, as podcasting becomes more, more frequent, what the BBC's relations to podcasts are, because ultimately you only got in a channel you've only got so much space. The space online is infinite, and I believe that in sort of partnerships, I've mentioned that I've been involved in setting up a day on podcasting in the English regions on the 15th of June. I mentioned that this morning. That understanding what the potential which of a growing, growing way of reaching the audience with podcasting is something that. I think you could explore in the Scots language, for example. We did already. BBC Director of Nations and Regions, Ken Macquarie, for delivered the keynote speech at this year's Celtic Media Festival in Lanechley in Wales. Well, this is another one of my favourite tracks, Fair Celtic Neighbours, and there's a congratulations to the Irish nominees for one a careload of awards this year at the Celtic Media Festival, including our magazine category, and well-deserved it was. This is a track for the film Waking Ned, one of my favourites, Richie Ford. Music composed by Sean Davy. This is Michael's Ride.
Michael Ride from the Irish film Waking Ned. Music composed by Sean Davy. I need to play Mayor of Sean's composition, which he would love oh, his music. Aye. Always oh, good. And before I go further, can I just put in a big thank you to my chums for the Gaeltach for their good humour and hospitality. And a special shout out to Patricia McLeod from Midas Media for navigating our journey down to Lanechley through Aberdeen. It's not easy to tell your journey there and back. Oof. A plane and three trains. Nay, why could I do that myself? Pat had a nomination in for BBC Alba in the TV documentary category. Subject was the history of Gaelic in the northeast of Scotland. I need to catch up with that team. Thank you, Pat. When I was speaking to Ken McQuarrie, you heard me refer to the work that was being done to include Ulster Scots into their broadcasting plans in Northern Ireland. Well, I met Fiona Keane at the Celtic Media Festival, and Fiona is the commissioning executive with BBC Northern Ireland in Belfast, with a special responsibility for Ulster Scots for BBC. So how does Ulster Scots fit into BBC Radio Ulster? Fiona. Well, basically, I think it's always been part of the kind of commissioning landscape for the BBC, um, both internally and externally. They've always done programmes around things to do with Ulster Scots language, um, heritage, culture, this history. This is Radio Ulster. This is Radio about. Ulster, going back to the earliest days. Um, there was a, a broadcaster who was a Presbyterian minister called W.F. Marshall, and he would have been a sort of famous character in, in this story because he, he had these radio broadcasts called Ulster Speaks, and he talked about the kind of three-stranded version of language in the northern part of the island of Ireland. So you had Ulster Scots, which were the words that had come over and the, the way of speaking, which was Scots, that had come to the com- country through various means, whether that be the 17th century plantation or before that with the gallo glass or even just people who were back and forthing for all sorts of reasons. And we've often spoken about Wayfair and Strangers yeah. on this very, very programme. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, yeah, that, was, that was a big discovery for me to just try and trace the footprint of the music in that instance but obviously the language is part of it with the songs and the stories people tell that eventually make their way into a ballad or whatever so how does it manifest itself um well within particular communities since the 1980s there's been something of a revival now um you had people who were kind of really into language very very interested in trying to to plug into the fact that there were older speakers who had a way of expressing themselves and had a, if you like, a kist of words that was in danger of being lost once, once those old ones were gone and if their stories weren't recorded or if, if people weren't talking to them and learning from them. So um, a magazine started, I think, in the early 90s called Ullens. Ullens? Ullens, U-L-L-A-N-S, uh-huh. Ullens, which I think was the name given to the version of Scots that was being spoken in Ulster. So it's kind of like Wallens, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, very much so. Because um, the people who had identified very strongly with Ulster Scots language and culture would would mostly have a, a kind of a, a family story that's rooted in lowland Scotland, Ayrshire, Galloway, Dumfrieshire, that sort of area, because that's where thousands and thousands of Scots families came over in the 17th century plantations. That's where they came from. And... Um, uh, there was a linguist called Greg who, who mapped Ulster Scots across the province of Ulster, I think sometime in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quite an interesting image because you can see the areas where the language was still strongest and that he could point to it and see it's in daily usage corresponded pretty much with the plantation map. So where those people ended up, where they ended up settling and making mm-hmm. plantation towns and you know, setting up farms and all the rest of it, that was where the Scots language footprint was the strongest. And it probably still is today. Um, it's around the east coast, across into Derry and Donegal, um, in the Lagan Valley. Um, yeah, it's, it's still it's there. Still there right. It's still there. How do you, you said your responsibility is mm-hmm. for Ulster Scots, so how do you look after it? How is it portrayed and how can folk hear it? Um, On air, I'm thinking, well, media-wise. Do you know, it's, it's been very interesting really since 2011. We have a very active screen, Northern Ireland Film Board, which is Northern Ireland Screen. And since the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, we've ended up with two cultural funds in Northern Ireland, one looking after the Irish language specifically, and then an Ulster Scots Broadcast Fund, which takes care of heritage, history, language and culture. So you've got a fund. We are incredibly lucky because we have a fund. So in, in practical terms, how it works is independent producers, like I used to be before I joined the BBC, come up with an idea. Um, that they think will be of interest to a particular community or to a broader audience telling some of that story. They make a submission to a broadcaster, usually the BBC. 
if the BBC like it and want to support it, then they make a further application to one or other of the two funds to, to um, get the majority of their production finance um, awarded. And if they pass through that final application process, the BBC or whatever broadcaster um, then takes editorial responsibility for the project and broadcasts it. So far is it broadcast on? Um, usually television. Um, we would have done, and we're still doing, 12 hours a year. But last year, for the first time, the Ulster Scots Fund, with the BBC, supported radio. So we've been able to do um, a special slate programming around Burns Night, which was great fun. We had um, Burns on board. We, we took one of our kind of local radio presenters and put her on the ferry between Larne and Stranraer. <laughs> and she brought a, a, a random collection of folk along with her and musicians and what have you. So that was great so fun. on the ferry. Yeah, yeah. And we had, idea, idea. we had a very special documentary with Seamus Heaney, the late Seamus Heaney. Um, talking about the poetry of Robbie Burns and the words of Burns, um, whereas a young a young boy growing up, um, his father's cousin would recite Burns, and you know within the local what he called the hearth language, there was so much of Scotland, and he claimed that, and uh, it was great for our audience to see a poet of that stature associated with a particular community. Yes, completely, and and acknowledging that and embracing that and celebrating that, he has a marvelous poem called A Burl for Burns. Um, and he talks about uh, that tongue the Scots brought with them, and it's a, it's it's a beautiful expression. And did of I get any uh, objection to the fact that you're putting out hail programs in Ulster Scots? No, no. I think people are genuinely interested. Um, in Northern Ireland's a complicated place; it always has been. Um, it's a place where you have cultural collisions, but you've always had cultural connections too. So, if the presenter or just gives an example, presenter speaks in Scots. Mm-hmm. Isn't he a, a barrage of complaints that didn't again fit their speaking about it. No, no, again, um, it can be difficult for some people to follow um, on a radio programme. We haven't, we haven't done a huge amount of it just yet, but we're, we're leavening more kind of general programmes with a, a sprinkling of Scots, you know, uh, if the subject is appropriate. We, we've just done one about a writer called W.G. Little, mm-hmm. who spoke in Braid Scots, or he wrote in, in, a, in a version of it that was kind of accessible to a broader audience. He wrote comic novels and um, humorous short stories. And he was a 19th century writer, he was hugely, hugely popular locally. Um, he would have had columns in a newspaper. And they're, they're kind of just a bit of country crack, but very definitely using Scots words. So we, we've just done a radio documentary with a contemporary writer and teacher who's going back following the footsteps of this particular writer and and his his version of the story was the first time his mother or his grandmother I, I don't quite recall put one of WG Little's books in front of him and he said I saw it on the printed page the way my people spoke so uh, here's somebody who grew up in Newton Arts in County Down now, you see Fiona there's a novel of the folk listening to this yeah. and there's bulbs of lack of bulbs going off in their heads out of place out of Scotland yeah and uh, you, you might be getting a phone call sometimes saying, could you come across and, and uh, speak to this group and that group? Because th- this is what we're trying to do in Scotland, uh-huh. to try and get more coverage yeah. in media yeah. uh, in Scots. Yeah. But you know the journey. Yeah. And, and Langu- you know the language trend. is difficult ah. because people make up their minds about a thing without necessarily giving it a chance. But um, I think there's a richness and a value to it. And you'll get a way of describing something in the place that it comes from in the language that belongs there that nothing compares to and it can only enrich the world if you get a little bit of that or a little sense of it you and know? it enriches the programs yes it does it does enrich it the does. well if you think about the way the world is changing now everything's the same it's just this kind of you know this global identity that just kind of leeches all the, the the local and regional out of things and i think we need to hang on to that and i think it's more important now than it ever has been you know, you walk down any street in the country and they're all the same shops and all the same branding and all the same, you know, it's, isn't it a very boring world? The word if that's all we comes with. to mind. Indeed, yeah. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And as I said, you might be getting a phone call saying, ah, could you come over and speak to this group? Thank you very much. It's been lovely to talk to you. Fiona Keane, Commissioning Executive with BBC Northern Ireland in Belfast. I love that phrase that Fiona used there, Richie, a kiss of words. That's wonderfully descriptive. Now, lovely done. Oh, well, this is another one of my favourite Celtic bands. I've said that a lot, I can, in this, <laughs> this programme, but I, I mean it. This is a, say, a CD of mine for 1989, roughly. It's for the Irish band Arcady and the tax card Trippin' Down the Stairs. 
Richard Ritchie. Yeah, Arcadeth, a CD uh, from an archive, and the CD's called After the Ball. And Arcadeth contains the singer Frances Black, that's sister of Mary Black. Now, Frances is a fantastic singer as well. We'll let you hear some Mary songs and oh, maybe yeah, a later yeah, program. Eh? We're fleeing about the countryside. <laughs> You're up and doing like a yo-yo. Oh, I know, the Trevor <laughs> blog. Now, back here in our own Celtic nation, women and lasses across the UK are being invited together in the streets of the four capital cities of the UK on the 10th of June to take part in a mass procession to mark the centenary of the Representation of the People Act that gave the first British women the right to vote. To find out more about processions and Fitzgun to take place in Edinburgh, I met up with the Scottish coordinator, the one and only Jean Cameron, outside the Scottish Parliament building. First, mere on processions, the body that's organising the event. Jean. Processions is a landmark artwork that's going to happen in the, on the 10th of June in the four capitals of the, the, the four nations of the UK, Edinburgh, Cardiff, Belfast and London. And it's a glorious big mass participation project celebrating a hundred years of the first women who got the vote and celebrating how far we've come but also expressing our concerns and our hopes and our dreams about women and the equalities in the future. Okay, Jean, I mean, we're celebrating how far we've come. We're standing right outside the Scottish Parliament. We've got uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister. How far we've come in that just a historic moment, really, this is. But how far have we come in other things in terms of gender equality, for instance? It's a, it's a really good point that you, you make. I think um, it's a very fluid society that we're living in, and I don't think we can take equalities for granted. That's why it's so important for an artwork like processions that occupies public space, for women and girls to come out and be part of it and say, this is what matters to us. And like all the best processions, we will have banners on the day. So women and girls will be invited to express on those banners what what you know, what matters to them. We've got a long way to go. You know, 50 years ago, next month, the, the women in Dagenham and the Ford plants were fighting successfully for equal rights. But then only last month, we had the whole thing around the gender um, pay gap statistics. My goodness, we've still got a way to go. So I know there is a lot of frustration still about the gender equality issue. Uh, and a lot has been said in this very building behind us here, you know, about how do we, how do we, how do we solve it? Is there a, a complete cultural change needed? I think there's incredible work going on in the building behind us. Um, as you as you say, we have a, a, a real commitment to gender equality in our parliaments. And one of the things that I'm personally very excited about is the Scottish Government's new advisory council for women and girls that was established last November. And that, that group of women headed up by Louise MacDonald from Chief Exec of Young Scott, that group um, are going to listen to any um, information that comes to us about where women and girls are still experiencing inequalities that will feed directly into policy and they will be a catalyst for change that is like a global first I think for a government to do that got the vote 100 years later we have the vote but what about the success stories what what are the success stories in these hundred years well, I think, you know, looking at our, our politicians, our women in public life, the very fact that... The, 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 I, I, th I think there's, there's so many success stories. Um, I'm, I'm a Paisley girl, as you know, Frida, so I look at a young woman like Mary Black, the youngest politician um, for 300-odd years in, in, in Westminster, who's unconventional in many ways and radical, and that, I know young women like that are really inspirational um, to all generations and regardless of people's politics as, as well. Um, but I think we have got further to go. And one of, the, one of the great things I think about processions happening in um, the four parliamentary capitals of the, of the home nations at the same time is... It's a moment to be unifying and for women and girls of all different, and those who identify as being women and girls, um, of all different persuasions and considerations to come together and have a unifying moment, but also in each country 
there's an individual story to tell and it's really interesting if you look at that fight for for women's suffrage it happened for 68 years in Scotland you know it started in 1867 the first women's suffrage um, organisation was established in Edinburgh you, you know, in, in 18, 1918 was the first women over 30 that got the votes. 1928, it was w- women over 21. It wasn't to 1969 that um, men and women over 18 got the, the right to vote. And actually, if you look at leadership and our story in Scotland, um, when I'm talking to my colleagues working in processions in other nations, they're really envious of our young people at 16 and 17 being able to vote in a way that's still not available to to other people um, in other parts of of the UK. So I really hope that our young people take to the street as part of processions. I think it's, you know, it's interesting as well in terms of online petitions and click activists and all of these things. These are relatively recent and our young people are politically engaged, but there's nothing quite like walking your talk and saying that we want to celebrate each other. And this is what matters for us. It's important to be visible. Right, Jean, what's going to happen on the 10th of June? It's going to be amazing. We are, there's thousands of women and girls signed up already to be part of the, the processions event. And we would, there's space for thousands more. So we would encourage people to sign up at um, processions.co.uk. And in the afternoon of the 10th, the 10th of June, we will process from the meadows in Edinburgh, right to where we are just now, Frida, to um, Holyrood Park and past our our parliament. Um, As part of the event, everyone who comes along will be given a colour, a, a, a scarf to wear, and those will be either green, white or violet those were the suffragette flag colors and they stood for they were code really for give women it's the votes it's going to be a colorful procession it's it? going to be you know imagine that bird's eye view you're going to look down on a ribbons of colors it's almost going to be like creating this um moving living portrait of women and girls in our country today and a big massive suffragette flags and it's going to be you know it's a the only way this is really going to work as if people can imagine themselves into it. And if you've not been in a, a march before or you've not taken part in, in an artwork before, this is a chance. This is somewhere you want to say, I was part of this. Right. We'll get just that address again for the, for the internet. I'm going to put you in the spot here, Jane. I'm really sorry about this. You can tell. Far or name your uh, women who you look up to who are no longer with us. Oh... Oh, okay. So, can I be international here? You can be anything you like. As well. Well, let's start with a good Scot, will okay. we? Let's start with a good miner's daughter from Lugelly, Jenny Lee. Jenny Lee! I adore Jenny Lee. Um, and she was, of course, married to Nye Bevan, but she was the first arts minister. She, she introduced the first white paper for the arts at the UK. It took 50 years to follow that up. There's it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Majorly important in, in you know, spreading, founding the, the Open University and, and, and access for wider ed- education. So Jenny Lee. One more. One more. Um, La Passionara. Dolores Ibaru, the woman um, who, you know, you know the statue down at the Clyde in Glasgow of um, the celebrating the Scottish people who went to join the, the uh, fight for freedom, the Spanish Civil War, and she broadcast to the nation and her first speech was, it's better to die standing than to live life on your knees. I don't know if I can finish with anything better than that, but we're going to hate a gee folk. How do they get in contact if they want to join? Fix the address. Listen, we'd love people to join. Make a banner. Come with your pals. Come with your daughters, your sisters, your mothers. And sign up. www.processions.co.uk Jean Cameron, Scottish Coordinator of the Mass Procession on the 10th of June in Edinburgh to mark the centenary of the Representation of the People Act that gave first British women the right to vote. Richie, I'm going to be there. Are you? Right, wouldn't Good for it. you. We'll tell you more about it after the 10th. Watch out for it on our website and Facebook page. Details again on the day in Embra. The 2.5 mile, that's four kilometre, parade will assemble between 12.15 and 1.30pm and step off the Middle Meadows Walk for Carlin Rune Forest Road to George IV Bridge doing to the foot of the mound. Now, councillors agreed to allow the event to tuck in the east end of Princess Street, Richie, oh, so right. that women can follow in the same footsteps 
or oh, Scottish suffragettes for a march along Princess Street over a hundred years ago. Oh, I love it. Historic love event, it. this. Super. The route will then snake along North Bridge before passing down the Royal Mile into Canongate, finishing at two o'clock in Holyrood Park. Well, I'll get a drink there. I think I'm going to come along as well. That's what's be welcome. Oh, aye. And a day that will be. I'm so looking forward to it. Dear. Watch out for the report on our webpage and Facebook page. And I look forward to seeing you there as well, Richie. Oh, aye. Registration to Darkpath in this free event is open now at www.processions.co.uk forward slash register. There's a lot of celebrations and anniversaries going on in this programme, eh? Spit time. Can he beat Aye. it? Celebration time. Celebration time. <laughs> this next track of music is dedicated to Paisley born and bred Jean Cameron, where we just heard for just now. You know, the first ever professional folk bands in Scotland are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year and have just released their new anniversary album. The band was born in Paisley and named after the tune's historic weaving industry and local point laureate. Robert Tannehill. We've played a fair few of Robert Tannehill's songs in this very programme, Richie. Oh, aye. That was recorded then here. It might have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back to the band. This is for their new album, Cad Orach. And this track featuring a guest appearance, the past band member, one Doogie McLean on Didgeridoo. This is the Tannehill Weavers with the Asturian Sessions. Durian Sessions, that was Tannehill Weavers with a track for their new album, Orach. 
and I can reveal that our in soon sorter had a lot to do with the mixing of that album, right? He was in this studio, Richie, eh? That's right, and not so long ago either. Not so long ago. Well, I managed to catch up with the band at a concert in the Steeplekirk in Dundee. eh? I did. Eh? Courtesy organiser, Sheena Wellington. Again, Sheena. Oh, aye. Now, for the concert, for the concert, I spoke to Phil. It's Phil Smiley, isn't it? It's Phil Smiley. And Roy Gullen. That's right, aye. And we're going back to 50 years ago. Who did it start? Here's Phil. Well, my goodness, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, the 50 years has just disappeared. It's like yesterday it started. And uh, Roy and I used to work in, uh, we were managers in a supermarket huh? all those years ago. And that's how we met. And uh, of course, Roy was in the band before me. And uh, I was asked one time if I would uh, come along and do the sound engineering. Uh-huh. And of course, I hadn't a clue about how to do this. And I said, of course, I'll do it. So I went along and uh, and that's how we met. And uh, we made our first album in 1976. And we've been together ever since. Right, right across to you. You're doing a lot of the singing yeah. in the band. Uh, predominantly Scottish songs? Did you st- oh, predominantly, but, yeah. How do you get the Scottish songs Oh, they're well archived, you know, they're all out there. And uh, we, we, we write as well in the Scottish style. I like to use the, the same language as my grandfather, my father's father spoke. That's, that's how I like to write songs these days. Give us an idea of some of the songs you've written in Scots. Oh, I wrote one called Hame, which is very, very, very old-fashioned Scots. Uh-huh. What else have I written, really, in, in, in absolute Scots? Do you go back and forth English and Scots? With my own writing, yeah, yeah. I used to write really in English. Who do you prefer to write in? I'm getting to prefer writing in in Old Scots. Are you? Yeah, because that's what I've written like the last dozen songs in. So it's where I start now. And if it it doesn't kind of work, I'll just revert to English. Now you're looking across the crowded years, the crowded years, the 50 crowded years. Highlights, Phil, fit are some of them. The highlights, well... The first album will be a highlight because it's the first, you know, thing that the Tana Weavers have ever done professionally. Uh-huh. I guess the uh, we got the Scots Star Award at the end of the 70s. That was a bit of a highlight. The Scots Star Award? Yes. Do you remember the Scots Star Award? Yeah, I remember it. That was, it was the Clyde Factors, a, a record company. And they had this competition, much like the Trad Awards today. Uh-huh. It was very similar to that. But the, and they had the, or the Johnny Beatty got award the same time as us. Uh-huh. And uh, who else? Would Scotland be? of what? Scotland of what? Got their award. I've heard of them, yeah. yeah. it was. Uh, I can't remember. It was the third album, fourth album. Uh-huh. Was it? No, no. It was the third, the third album. It was just called the Tannehill Weavers. Uh-huh. So we got we got a, an award for that. It was great. So funded. I mean, you've got a. a, a a, a, a settled, as they call it, a settled lineup, no. But folk have come and gone, and there's one in particular I think you've added to the to the to the lineup for your new album. A man called Doogie McLean's joining. Oh yes, yeah. Well, Doogie kind of joined at the same time as me, way uh-huh. back in seventy. See, I've not really been with the band for the full 50 years. I have to hold my hand up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Doogie joined at the same time as me in 74. And he's probably, he played on the first album, of course. But in 1980, he came back and played on, uh, I think it was, what was the name of that album? With a, Tannehill's Four, I think. <laughs> so simple mm-hmm. as that. And Doogie oh, came and played, good. and he played fiddle with us. Uh, and... From time to time, he'll come and he'll make little cameo appearances. And on this album, I had to have him on this air because I was it's because uh, yeah. But well, Doogie's family, uh, it's got uh, island connections, mm-hmm. you know, Hebridean connections. As I myself, my mother was from Harris, and this this tune, I thought this is tailor made for Doogie McLean. This has got West Coast uh, flavour all written all over it. Yeah. And uh, of course, Doogie's only too pleased to come up. And he came up to my studio because the beast from the east was arriving. Oh, no. And I did not want to take my vehicle up to Dunkeld. Uh-huh. So he said, well, I'll come down in my 4 by 4 and we'll do it there. Okay. And, uh, and I said, can you bring your didgeridoo down too, please? Because did he bring it? He did. Uh-huh. So he brought his didgeridoo down. But halfway through this song, Frida, he had, this, he had a call from his son, Jamie. Uh-huh. He said, the beast of the east has arrived and the snow is really deep up here. I suggest that you just get back up the road now while you can. So he left me half of this kind of didgeridoo thing. And, I, and, I, and Richard and I, we kind of Richie pieced Werner. it all together. And so it was great. Aye. So it's lovely to stay in touch with Doogie and keep him involved with what the Tannehills do. And he's just so happy to do it. So That's fantastic. It's yeah. because, he, I mean, 50 years of being together, did you ever fout? 
laughing. Okay, do it. It's yeah. like just like a bit like a marriage, you know. You snap yeah. at each other now and again, and then yeah. you forget all about it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've spoken about the highlights and for uh, about the low, low, low moments. Were there any low moments at that? Low moments. Well. Afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I guess afternoon was one of them when you got something you got something thrown through your windscreen off yeah. a bench. That was yeah. pretty scary. But oh, we've had worse things than that. We've had we did an entire Danish tour once when the electronics just kept packing up and uh, oh. we had to get the, the, the Danish equivalent of the the AA to come and start with the car or start the van every morning. Oh, no. And then we went to the gigs like scraping furiously the inside of the windscreen to, so we could the see. The inside? Yeah, because it was just freezing up. And, and it was just, you know, I don't know, sub-zero outside. Oh. And uh, we, we had to keep scraping the winds, windshield from inside. <laughs> and we were all sitting there, we were absolutely freezing. Is there ever a, a time though when you were sitting there thinking, fit are we doing here? Why are we scraping the inside over the windscreens? Yeah, there's been many occasions where we've thought that, and but uh, for some reason we've fought our way through it, you know, and just stayed the course. Um, you mentioned lineup changes; we've had a few uh, in the '80s, in particular, and uh, there's always something at the back of your mind: Are we going to be able to deliver what we've done previous years, or will it, hopefully? you know, be better than what we've just achieved. And we've been lucky, I think, Aye. you know, because we've had great characters in the band, like Gordon Duncan. Oh, and, yeah, and, and so they just took the band as well, on their own, to a different level. Uh -huh. And so, and of course, Lorne McDougall that's with us tonight is, is a fantastic player. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, so. and I've heard bits of the, bits of the new album. And I yes, think you've, you have. you've taken it again to a different level. Well, that's so no, nice it, of you to uh, say. No, it's you know, really sounding fantastic. Well, that's wonderful. You know, and what we tried to do with that, Frida, was um, it's a 50 years music celebration. Mm -hmm. And so we, we've taken songs from, uh, like, so Roy used to work with Matt McGinn in the, in the late 60s. Matt McGinn. Matt McGinn. Roy worked with him. And so we thought, well, how fitting. Why don't we do a song from him, like Jenny Authings? So the 60s, and of course, um, uh, we're doing a song from Billy Conley. Now that day, we worked with Billy Conley way back in the early 70s and, and the, the Clyde Fair International Festival, I guess it was. And uh, But apart from that, our uh, Les Wilson, who was a singer with us uh, a few years ago, uh, that was always his song, A Sound Check. Always his song. So we thought, let's include that as part of the 50 year celebration. And uh, songs from Stan Rogers, uh, oh, whom, whom we Stan met. Rogers, we met in the sorry. early 80s. Aye. Aye. Uh, we were fortunate enough to meet him. So we've managed to squeeze in th the people that we've met over the decades into this album f with their songs. Aye. So. Well, we're... as I said, I've heard these. And I'm so pleased that you. And I'm just absolutely bowled away with the sound you've got. And it's the innovation as well. So congratulations, guys. And, well, and I'm looking forward to the concert tonight. Oh, super. Yeah, well, so, so are we. Great to see you. Thanks a lot. Phil Smiley and Roy Gullen for the Tannehill Weavers. And it was a magical concert, Richie. Thanks to Sheena Wellington for the hospitality. And that just about tacks us to the end of this episode. Episode 49, Richie. 49, we're nearly 49. 50 ourselves. 49. Can you believe it? No. 49 into 50 <laughs> episodes. We're fast approaching our 50th anniversary. Well, he did do something as we loved you also celebrating. Thanks, eh? Thanks, A bus outing. I'll buy a bottle of juice. Aye. Maybe just you and me <laughs> splashing out in our favourite sannies through the deli across the road. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? We like our sannies and juice. That could be a gear. It's a Sicilian. A Sicilian it's hot Sicilian. toasty sandwiches of great. That's why everyone comes to the mass neck. It's not for recording here. It's not for recording. You can get a nice Sicilian piece for across Aye. the road. Across yeah. the road. Okay, we'll have to think about that. Think about that carefully. Aye. As you heard there, when I was speaking to Phil and Roy through the Tannehill Weavers, the legendary Perthshire Piper, the late Gordon Duncan, was also part of that stellar lineup and very much part why? of the band's history. Why? Mm -hmm. We finished with this track for their new anniversary album, Orach. This is a track card simply the Gordon Duncan set. Fair Richie and myself. Bye, Bye new. new.